Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So uh, we are going to continue our Christmas message series that we're calling Journey to Jesus this morning. Uh, We're asking the question, why do people come to Christ? Uh, the answer to that, obviously, is there's a variety of reasons. Uh, people all over the world are searching for purpose, searching for meaning, and somehow find their way to Christ in various avenues, especially during this Christmas season as we turn our attention to the birth of Jesus. And somehow um, people do come to know him as we turn our attention. Let's explore the stories of individuals in Scripture who found their way to Jesus and analyze how that can be applicable to our lives. And the reason for that is this, because even though they maybe happen 2,000 years ago, the road that those individuals took to find Christ are still roads we walk today and actually reflect and remind us of why we need Christ in our lives. So last week we began our series by talking about the story of the wise men, a very famous passage of scripture, and how they discovered who Jesus was. It was a story of curiosity. One about searching and one about discovery. And we learned about how when we're searching for meaning or truth or searching for answers, that what matters most is motive. Motive matters most. It's one of the things that we said last week, that that our search for truth really comes down to whether or not we're willing to find something even though we might already have an idea in our mind. We want to fight against bias and instead go in with an open search. And the big idea of last week's message that we learned about from the Wiseman story is that faith in Christ is not an answer to one single question. It's not enough to just answer the question of, is God real or not? But in fact, faith in Christ is rather a lifelong relationship of seeking and finding. It's something that is consistently asking questions and finding answers and then finding more questions and that journey continually. That's what we learned last week. Well, this week, we're going to continue with the story of the shepherds, which is a very famous passage. Probably everyone in the room here has heard the story of the shepherds at least once in their life. And if you're not, then you've probably been living under a rock. But uh, today we're going to talk about the story. And while the story of the wise men was one of searching, the shepherds took their journey to Jesus for a very different reason. And that was because they were told. They were told about it. And now there are wonderful things that happen all over the world, all around us, that if we don't know it exists, we're just going to miss it, right? So there could be things happening down the street. There could be things happening in our backyard. There could be something happening in our own house that if no one tells us about it, we'll miss it. But on the contrary, or the flip side of that, is when people tell us where to find good things or that something good is happening or is available, we actually have the opportunity to experience wonderful things. This actually happened to me this week. Um, we had a staff meeting on Monday at our house, and Pastor Aaron, our worship pastor, who's um, currently, I don't know if you guys know this, but our church has actually, for the last year, uh, has been sending Aaron and his wife Mary to Buffalo, New York, to minister at Nickel City Church. Our church sends them once every other month to lead worship and to help them in leadership as a way for us to just resource other churches. Well, they're there today, and uh, this past week, Aaron was having a staff meeting at my house with our leadership team, and Aaron had a piece of pizza in his hand. 
And I said, hey, what is that? What are you eating? Because he always often brings pizza or brings some meal to the house, the staff meeting. And he said, this is uh, from Ironborn Pizza. And I said, oh, I've heard about that place. And, and, he, and I said, tell me about it. And he's like, well, it's Detroit-style pizza. And I said, that's the one that's down in the Strip District. And he says, yeah, but they actually just moved to Millvale. And, and I, it connected the dots. Oh, wait, you had pizza in your hand a week ago when I saw you. And it was also from Ironborn Pizza. And he's telling me, he says, Jared, you've got to try this pizza. It's incredible. It's delicious. So here's the thing. Just like the shepherds, right, they were told about something. Because now I know, I have heard about this place, because he told me about this place, because I now know where that place is, I not only want to try it, I not only know where to find it, I want to go get it. I want to explore that. This is what happens when we're told something, right? When somebody gives us news or tells us about something, it creates something inside of you that says, I should try that out or I should check that out. Let me ask you this question. What do you do when you receive good news? What do you do with that information when you receive good news? Maybe another way to say it or a way to flip that or another way to look at it is when you're given important information or instruction, how do you respond when given that information? The story of the shepherds is a lesson in how to respond when given good information, good news, or instruction especially when it relates to the message of the gospel and following Christ. So what we're going to do today is we're going to read this famous passage in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Uh, We also have free Bibles. So if you don't have one, I encourage you to go to our Connection Center or right as soon as you leave the chapel on the shelf in front of you, there's a basket with free Bibles. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God and it is the starting point of all truth. And so everything we do is based on it. So if you don't have one, get one. Also, you can follow along on your tablet or your smartphone if you have a Bible app. And it will also be here, the verses on the screen behind you so you can follow along. We're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 2. That's the gospel of Luke uh, in the New Testament. In the second chapter, beginning reading in verse 8. Let's follow along here. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I would be, too, if I was just in the middle of the night and somehow... Uh, this, this, this creature, individual, whatever it looked like, and with this, this is the glory of the Lord shone around it. So brightly lit up, there was some effect that, that created a, uh, an effect around, like an aura around them. That would terrify me, especially in the middle of the night. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, we're going to move on in a moment, but I just want to pause here to kind of give a little bit of context of what's going on. Who were these shepherds? The shepherds were individuals who would, uh, who, whose life was to live with animals. They would stay day and night in fields with sheep and with goats, and they would herd them around. And their job was to guard or to protect them and to raise them for various functions. They were the backbone of this society at the time, along with the agricultural society. You were either a farmer 
who made crops that would sell in markets and provide food for yourselves as well as the rest of the villages or, or cities around, or you were a shepherd who took care of the animals that would either be used for sacrifices in the temple, more on that in a couple weeks, as well as um, just to, you know, for, for merchants and to selling food. And obviously at this time there was money, but equally important of money was goods. They would barter and they would trade. But here's the thing is that you would think that someone who was a shepherd might be, you know, considered to be uh, an individual of respect, but that was not the case. They were actually low-class citizens and were actually despised by most people. So these shepherds, and the reason for that is, is because most people, like in our time, uh, you have rich people who owned land, and then you hire people to work on the land. So the shepherds did not own their sheep. The shepherds more often were the ones just managing them. So most of the time, shepherds were hired hands, and because they probably weren't paid very much, most of the time they were considered to be at least dishonest liars or thieves. So they would be bandits. They would be out in the middle of nowhere with their sheep. They were bored a lot. And then when passerbys would come along, oftentimes they would rob individuals or they would, you know, they would cover up a blemish on an animal and sell it for a higher price than it was worth. This is the reputation that was given to many shepherds. So this is what was happening to them, is that people considered them to be uh, just kind of the dregs of society, dishonest, disreputable, and frankly, they just hung out with sheep and goats all the time, so they were dirty and they were smelly. Now, what were they doing in this moment? Just their everyday routine, raising sheep, raising goats, hanging out, guarding, living outdoors, keeping watch and guard duty to make sure that animals didn't come. They had to learn how to fight. They would have to fight off, you know, animals that would come to try to take and eat the, the sheep or the, their goats and, or even just, you know, townspeople who wanted to steal. So this was part of their job. The Bible says it's the middle of the night. So it's nighttime, which means that most of them were probably sleeping. But just like you see in the movies, there's always somebody on watch, right? So the likelihood was that there was one individual or a couple individuals who was hanging around a campfire while they were, everyone else was sleeping. They were just sort of watching, maybe, uh, you know, talking to each other, telling stories. In the middle of the night, there is no electricity. So imagine the darkness that was happening in the field. They weren't even, they were next to the town. They weren't in it. So it was incredibly dark. And all of a sudden, in this moment, is when an angel comes, and it says the glory of the Lord shone around him. Could you imagine what that's like? That's like when you're in the dark, and all of a sudden, the spotlight comes on. It's jarring. This is the case of what happened. They were in a field just outside of Bethlehem. If you don't know where Bethlehem is, you know where Jerusalem is. It's in Israel. Bethlehem was like a suburb of Jerusalem. It's literally only a 30-minute drive. It's a two-hour walk. It's six miles south of Jerusalem. So if you look on Google Maps and you type in Jerusalem and then you do the thing like I did this week and find out how you get the directions and then switch it to the little man walking, it literally would only take you two hours to walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. That's where these guys were. So in the middle of this moment, what are they thinking? What were they doing before the angel showed up? Maybe because they know who they are, just like many of us in the room, perhaps you're in the room and you're thinking, is this all my life is? I don't like my job. I hate my job. I don't like my position in society. I feel like I, feel like, like I just wish there was more. There's nothing I can do about my education or my financial status or the color of my skin or whatever it might be. And when I walk down the road, I feel like eyes are on me. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but that's my perception. Maybe these shepherds, Maybe these shepherds were, were, were sitting around the campfire at night looking up at the stars going, is this it? Is this all that life is for me? I'm going to hang out with sheep the rest of my life? I wish I could own one of those houses in that town or whatever it might be. 
Maybe they were thinking about nothing. Maybe they were just resigned to the fact this is what their life was like. Maybe they were content. I don't know what it was, but something happened in this very moment. All of a sudden, they were given important news, good news, important information. Let's continue reading in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. And let's look at their response here. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, it sounds like they made an immediate response, but there is actually two responses in this passage that we've read. Let's look at their initial response and then their follow-up. At first, they were afraid. You guys going to sing the song? At first, I was afraid. I was petrified. Well, they were. It said they were terrified, okay? They were afraid, and they were uncomfortable, they were unsure. Now, this is a preaching moment for me, a teaching moment for me. If we translate this into our faith, into the way it is for us, we're not standing out in a field, and we don't have, like, the light of God shining up right in a moment. But on a Sunday morning, for example, or maybe at a life group or a Bible study, or maybe I'm out to coffee with a friend and we're talking about faith, and someone says something to you that is, that is revealed to you as truth or instruction or is good news or something that somehow challenges you or changes the way that or challenges the assumption that you have, right? I am not, I am not um, what's the word I'm thinking of? I, I'm not ignorant enough to think that everything that I say up here, everyone just automatically goes, that's right. I believe that 100%, right? I know that there are things that the Bible says to me when I'm reading it on my own. I know that there are times when I preach something from stage here and I, and I teach something with my heart in it and conviction because I believe it's true that you, some of you out there say, I don't know what I think about that or that's hard for me or I know that sometimes we go to life group in the middle of the week and we're talking about something that was said here or maybe a passage of scripture that you've read on your own time and you're talking about it now with other believers or other Christians and you're like, this is just hard for me. I'm uncomfortable with this. I am unsure what I think about this, right? And here's the problem. This is where the shepherds found themselves. They were given information they were not expecting. It had been 400 years since God had actually spoken through any prophet up to this time. They were not expecting anything. And now all of a sudden they're given information that is going to change everything for them. But the first reaction they had was one of fear, one of being unsure, one of being maybe confused, right? And the angel said to them, don't be afraid because what I'm giving you is good news. But with the problem for many of us, myself included oftentimes, is we hear a word of truth. The Holy Spirit will deliver through me or through a podcast or through a friend at Life Group or whatever, something that God wants to challenge an assumption about who he is or what he wants to do in your life. And oftentimes our reaction is fear or uncomfortable. And then we stop and we get stuck. Like we stay in that space where we're not willing to engage with it because we're just like, ah, I feel uncomfortable. And then we avoid it. But that's not the instruction that they were given. Do not be afraid. So they had a choice just like we have a choice when we're faced with it. I'm not saying that you take everything I say at face value. I'm not even saying you take everything that the Bible says at face value. I believe that the treasure that's found within the Bible is when you dig into it and you challenge the assumptions that it makes and understand it. And the Bible has never let me down. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. Now watch what happens here. The angels encourage the shepherds to go beyond their natural response. And so they made the choice to not just be afraid, to be uncomfortable and unsure. They made the choice to be excited, the choice to be curious, and the choice to be expectant. They heard something, wasn't sure what they, what they thought about it, but made the choice. They said, this person says this is good news. 
I'm going to choose to give them that rope a little bit and walk with them and expectantly try to find that maybe I might find something good out of this, that maybe if the Bible says that this is good for me, even though I don't understand it fully, or maybe even though it's hard for me, I'd have to change my lifestyle, or I'd have to, to, to think differently, that, if it, that, that maybe it's just true, and it might actually change the way that I live my life. Maybe it might be better for me. That's the expectancy, right, that the shepherds did. So, so much of our journey, So much of our journey to Jesus, or even for many of us who are Christians, our journey with Jesus is about our choice in response when we're told. So much of it. That's the process of discipleship. Remember a few weeks back we talked about that car being a restored car, right? Like the concept of being like Christ, becoming like Christ, is this idea of choosing if the car had a mind. It's allowing the mechanic to say, I'll let you put the new door on. I'm going to let you change out the spark plugs. That's the idea of it. That's our participation. We have to choose because God is a gentleman, and he's not going to force himself upon us. The angels had a choice to make, or the the shepherds had a choice to make after the angels. They could hear the good news and then go, hey, thanks, that's great. I'll go check it out tomorrow. Or they could have just said, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm uncomfortable about this. I don't want to go figure out. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I don't know what I think about it. And they didn't. So here's my question to you, to all of us today, is are we listening? Are we listening when we hear people speak, when a pastor preaches, when I read the word of God, when I'm at life group? Are we listening? I'm not saying are we hearing, are our ears working? That's what I'm asking. Are we opening our heart to say it might just be that God might want to say something to me today? Are we listening? They could have stayed. They could have missed it. Instead, they decided to investigate. Are we listening? Has someone told you about Jesus? Have you heard about something exciting and new in your faith, but you've been felt uncomfortable or you're afraid? What is your response? What has your response been? What is your choice in response? Is it curiosity? Is it excitement? Expectancy in faith? Are we listening? Are we listening? That's the first piece, I think, that the shepherds show us when receiving good news. Are we listening? Well, let's continue reading because this is only half of the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 16. We're going to pick up in 16. It says, so they hurried off, right? They made their choice, and they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And I'm excited in two weeks. We're going to talk about what that means and where they were and all of that. It's going to be really very exciting, I think. But that's where they, so somehow they found them, and it was just as they had heard. And after seeing them, right, so now they had made the choice. They were told good news. They were given information about what they would find and where they would find it. And they chose expectancy and curiosity instead of living in their fear and getting stuck in that space. They chose to go and act on it. And when they experienced the thing that they found, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. I mean, imagine the whirlwind life of Mary, right? The shepherds returned, glorifying God, praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they were told. I wonder if ironborn pizza is as good as Aaron says it is. I wonder. Well, guess what? I have to go experience it myself. And I should. Because I'll be guilty of the same thing that I'm saying that we do often if I don't right? I have no one to blame but myself. I don't. If I don't choose to take the recommendation of a friend, then I can't complain that it's no good pizza in Pittsburgh. That's the problem that we have, right? 
Now listen to what happened. Look at their response here. They passed along their experience. They were told something. They were listening. They were anticipating something good. Whether or not they expected it or not in the moment isn't the point, right? You could come to church, and some people expect God to speak to them every day, and some people come to church and walk in and out as if they don't think God would ever actually speak to them. Then why bother coming at all, right? Why bother reading the Bible? Why bother listening to worship music? Why bother having friends who are Christians if we don't actually think that God might want to talk to us? But they apparently, the shepherds apparently had some level of expectancy. And when an angel showed up, which I get it, it might be really hard. Like if I'm just kind of sitting there in my normal everyday life and now a supernatural being showed up, that might challenge, you know, my assumptions about things. But the point is, is that they were given, they were given something, information that mattered. And I would just say on a side note here, I feel like if my best friend told me something was really good, I think I would believe that too. You know, if I know this person, I know their character, I know their, 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 their personality, I know that they know me, I know they know what I need. And if a friend tells me, hey, I know you've been going through this thing, this is what you need over there. I just tried it. Like, that's, that's worth gold, that kind of a recommendation, right? So yeah, an angel might come and we go, God, why don't you just send angels to me every day? And on a side note, the Bible does say to be hospitable to people because you might be entertaining angels and you don't even know it. And that's a whole different side thing here. But the point is, is that when we have someone who gives us good news, just maybe we should explore that. So what did they do? They went and they experienced and they found Jesus and something happened to them. And they're like, this is incredible. The angel told us it was true. And then I went and I experienced it myself. And then they started telling me. I can imagine them like knocking on doors or like telling everybody. It's the middle of the night, right? And they're like, guys, the Messiah is here. This is awesome. And everybody knew what that meant because they were all Jewish people, right? So they're telling them that this angel showed up. And it says that they were all amazed. They invited other people to experience. And this is interesting. Verse 17 says this. All were amazed. But I want to point out something. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody believed what they said. Okay, so we kind of automatically think that, oh, well, that must mean that like they had a receiving line out the manger that every person waited for three days. Like everyone in Bethlehem now was showing up to this manger. I don't think that's the case. It says that everyone was amazed by what the angels had told them. So their job was to just share it. Like, I found the Savior. Yay. And I can imagine one guy going, dude, you're weird. Like, that's crazy. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, who, who are you talking about? Right. And that person just stayed at home. And didn't do anything. So just because they told someone doesn't mean that, that the other people responded to it. Some people might have, but other people probably didn't, right? So what's the responsibility for us? It certainly didn't stop the shepherds from sharing. So if our first question is, are we listening? The other lesson that we learn when we receive good news is, are we telling? Are we sharing? You know, this week I experienced another um, example of this very thing. My brother um, has listened to a lot of hip-hop, and uh, he's always sharing music choices with me all the time. He's like, hey, listen to this song, listen to that song, and, and I like some hip-hop. I'm not a huge, you know, rap guy. Uh, I do like some of it. Um, there's one particular artist, though, that he really likes, and that's Drake. Um, and I have a problem with Drake, not because of anything other than I just think, I just don't like his voice, okay? And so... But here, here's the point. It's going to tie in. So my brother is always trying to find a song from Drake that he thinks I might like. So he, this week, he actually did this. This week, he sent me a text message and said, hey, Jared, I think these are the songs that you really like from Drake. Take a listen. Please, just listen. And I wrote him back. I was like, man, I just don't really, I'm not, this is not my thing. I'm happy listening to my music. I got an email from Spotify this week telling me all my favorite artists this month, you know, this year, whatever. I'm happy with them. He said, just, just take a listen, right? So I'm like, fine. So I put on the playlist, and I'm listening. I'm like, you know what? It's pretty good. 
okay, this song's pretty interesting. Like, his voice isn't super the highlight in this one. It's more like the track and the background's real catchy, right? I found myself giving myself a little bit of a leash to say I can like some Drake songs, right? And look at it. He's real happy. He's excited about that, right? Now, here's the point. Are we excited enough about something and what we have found to share it? Are we excited enough about it? Do we think that what we have is worth sharing? And even so, even this, is it important enough enough to think about? Is it important enough to be intentional about? The shepherds certainly thought, thought so, right? But here's the next level of that question, and this is why I told this story. What about when someone seems disinterested? What about when someone doesn't want to hear it, or they just don't seem like what I have to tell them is interesting or is worth anything? Does that change the value that it has for me? The shepherds went and did their job, which was they experienced something incredibly powerful and life-changing. They told the whole city, even though there were people who were amazed, but some people said, I don't want to have anything to do with this. But they told them anyway. Now, I'm not saying that for us in a relationship with Christ that we have to be forceful. I'm not saying we have to be mean, that we have to force people to know Jesus. But I think there's the other end of the spectrum that many of us live in, which is, I don't really want anybody to feel like, you know, if I share something that they might not want to hear it, so I'm never going to. But if Aaron can tell me about a piece of pizza that he has in his hand, certainly I could tell someone about the the person who I have experienced that has transformed my life, the one who took me out of the gutter and brought me to a place where I'm whole and healed in my life. Like, and I don't have to go out and say, you need Jesus and you need Jesus. Like, that's not what we're saying. But isn't there some level of excitement? Isn't there some level of intentionality to it? Like my brother doesn't every day talk to me about this playlist. He hears a song, it gets him excited, and he's like, maybe I'll just share it with Jared because you know what, even though he said he doesn't like Drake, this is a different song or a different angle. This is what I mean when we talk about Christ. We talk about our our faith or our religion. When opportunities arrive or something happened, you had a, a great experience in worship or at church or an outreach or something, just share that with someone. Just find the way to say it in a normal way. And your, your job is not to convince people. That's not your job. Your job is just to share the good news, is to be a vessel so that God can work through you. Keep trying. Are we listening? Are we telling? Are we listening? Could God maybe challenge us? Would he speak to us and want to take us to a deeper level in our faith but we're uncomfortable with what like worship is or, or how I can pray or fasting or, or whatever topics might make us feel uncomfortable. But if they're found in scriptures, we have a responsibility to, to, to learn and to, to grab and to dig into that. And then are we telling people? Are we sharing that? What might God say? What might God say to us if we had open ears? What might he say? to us every day of the year, not just at Christmas time, not just when we read the story about the shepherds. What might he say? What might God say to someone else if we have open mouths? What might he want to say to them? And this is the big idea of this message, I think, that kind of ties it all together. If you're writing notes, write this down. The willingness to consider and share good news creates opportunity for life-changing experiences. The willingness to consider and share. So that's the listening and the telling. If I'm willing to hear something, instruction, 
If I come with an expectancy on Sunday morning or a life group or when I'm going to read the Bible, I don't just read the Bible so that I can read it and be done for my quota. I expect that God might say something to me that might challenge me, challenge my assumption or, or encourage me. I expect that. I, are we willing to consider that and share what we have learned with other people? I believe that when we do that, it creates opportunity for us and for others for life-changing experiences. My life can be changed when I consider that God might speak to me. When I decide to, you know what, take what I've been given and give it to other people, I create an opportunity for them now to maybe experience the same thing. Would you stand with me as we close today? God, thank you for writing so many different ways that explain who you are, challenge us, encourage us, Thank you for the story of the shepherds. Thank you that there are different ways that we can come to you. I thank you that just as much as there are so many different kinds of personalities, we all have different experiences, that you have created a number of paths and ways for us to meet you. I thank you that you come searching for us. I love that the passage of the shepherds here is that they were told, but the other passage of a shepherd you told was that the shepherd would leave his entire flock and go search for one. We sang about that song this morning in that song, Reckless Love, that you would leave, you search for us. I thank you, God, that you sent Jesus. I thank you that you took a group of ragtag individuals who had no business being even in the city. They were dirty, they were unclean, they were smelly. I thank you that, that you took a people like that and decided to, to give the good news to them. And again, that shows who you are. You're not a God of the rich. You're not a God of the privileged. You are the God of all. And specifically, your word teaches over and over again that you love the poor, that you love the downtrodden, that you love the foreigner, that you love the marginalized, the discriminated against. I thank you for that. And it's such an encouraging message, God. May we be people who would open our hearts to hear you speaking to us. You know, in a message like this, or even just in simple, innocuous times when we're challenged with an assumption and we have an opportunity to hear your, your voice speaking to us saying, no, my way is different than that way. My way is different. And even though it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's hard and it's, it's, I'm afraid of what that might mean if I act on what you've told me. God, may we have hearts to hear, to listen, to say yes and equally, may we also have hearts to say, to speak out, to share, to be intentional, to find ways. God, rekindle the passion in our hearts for you. For those of us in the room who maybe know Jesus, but it's been a rough ride maybe recently, or perhaps you are new to your faith, you're not really sure how to connect to God, or maybe your faith has just become dry and stale for you, just let your prayer right now be, God, would you rekindle, like put a fire in my heart. Let me remember why I fell in love with you in the first place, why I gave my life to you. And from that place, let that excitement remind me to see other people who need that and to give it to them. If there's anyone in the room today who says, I want to know that Jesus who came, the one who comes to the marginalized, the one who comes to the brokenhearted, to that person, and you just say, I want to follow Jesus today. I just want to give you a chance to do that. Just lift your hand right now. I want to pray with you. Anyone in the room this morning who says yes to Jesus, thank you for that hand. All we're going to do is, I'm just going to pray. We're not even going to say it together. Just in your own heart right now, Father, I thank you for Jesus. Just make this your own prayer, and it will be the case. That's what the Bible says, that if you say, you just follow along in your heart, and you just tell Jesus that you believe in him, that you will be saved. 
Father, thank you for Jesus. I choose Jesus today. I say yes to him. God, thank you for forgiving me. I ask for your grace in my life. I want to live a new life. I want to follow you so that I can live the peace that you've given to me, that you paid for on the cross for me. I say yes to you. I choose you, and I will follow you the rest of my days. God, may we be people who listen to you, wait expectantly. May we be people who share what we have found with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.